Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, while I'm just coming in with the introduction, why don't we turn to Psalm 100? That's going to be our scripture uh, for today. And when I when I think about uh, Father's Day, there, there's a, a lot attached to that. And uh, being a dad, uh, I would say it's probably the hardest job that I've had being a parent. Um, I'm finding out that being a pastor is a pretty hard job. <laughs> My last job was a pretty hard job, but being a parent, uh, being a father in particular, is, is somewhat different. Uh, we have three children, my wife and I, two of them are grown men and, and a daughter who's uh, 15. And I, I think what makes it so difficult is uh, you never know if what you're doing is quite right. And what is right for one person is totally wrong for another person. And what is right in one season is not right for that same person in another season. And as we raise children, we're growing, we're changing. So there is so much attached to that, each kid being different. My three children are so different that I am surprised that they've come from the same household. I think one of the things that uh, I've had to learn the most about being a parent is especially uh, parenting uh, adults, especially when they were young adults. I did not realize how much I had to grow as an individual to um, raise them. And I think even for a child, uh, as they grow up, their perspective on their parents uh, and their dad changes. I, I pulled something offline, um, and uh, it's an uh, a essay that someone wrote, and it's, it's titled, My Dad Can Do Anything. And it says, funny how adding years to your life can also add perspective to your years. A child says at four, my daddy can do anything. At seven, my dad knows a lot, a whole lot. At eight, my father doesn't know quite everything. At 12, oh well, naturally father doesn't know that either. At 14, father, hopelessly old fashioned. At 21, oh, that man is out of date. What did you expect? At 25, he knows a little bit about it, but not much. At 30, maybe we ought to find out what dad thinks. At 35, a little patience. Let's get dad's assessment before we do anything. At 50, I wonder what dad would have thought about that. He was pretty smart. At 60, my dad knew absolutely everything. <laughs> At 65, I'd give anything if dad were here 
so I could talk it over with him. Amen? That's how it is. You know, you go from one phase to another. I remember the first time I, I really let my son down. And it was a simple thing. It was like no big deal. We're walking down the street, and they had balloons, you know, like helium balloons. And I said to my son, Reg, tie your shoe. And he said, hold my balloon, Dad. And I said, I got it. He said, don't let it go. I said, Reg, I said, I got it. While it was floating away. And he looked up in the air and he's, ah. And that seems like a small thing. But in my mind, up until that point, I had never let him down. Um, obviously, that would be the first of many times that I let him down, as I've let down other people, and I'm sure you have too. But anyway, let, it, let us read uh, God's word. I'm reading out of the CSB, Psalm 100. If you don't mind, let's stand for the reading of God's word. And it says, let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. His people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. Father, we thank you that you've made us. That we are yours. That we have a joy in just knowing you. And being with you. Confirm that in our hearts this day, Lord. And on this special day where we celebrate dads, Lord. All of us having a dad. And whatever feelings that brings about, Lord. Do a work in us this day. We always want to come and hear your word and have an expectancy that we would change and look more like Jesus, that we would grow, that we would fall more in love with you, and we'd know how to operate and navigate through this world that you've placed us in, and that all that we do would be glorifying to you. So we present ourselves to you this day, and we say, have your way. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the first thing that we see when we are reading this psalm is joy. All relationships have emotions tied to them. Every relationship, including our relationship with God. And it starts out saying, let the whole earth shout and triumphant, triumphantly to God. And when we speak about something being triumphant or shouting triumphantly what we're speaking about is a joy at a victory or an achievement well what what victory 
Uh, Psalm 100 is the climax of a number of psalms uh, that are called royal psalms. Royal because God is king. God is sovereign over all, over all the earth, over all his people. And we serve the Lord with gladness. We serve certain things out of obligation. There are certain things that we do because we have to. Not because we necessarily want to. I don't know how many people jump up on Monday morning super excited going to work. Even if you like your job. I like my job, but I don't jump up in the morning and say, I'm ready for this commute. I'm ready to go out that door and make the boss all of this money. I am so excited about what's going to happen today. But other things that we serve, we serve with great joy. When we serve our wives or when we serve our husbands, it is out of love. It is out of a desire for them to be pleased, for them to be satisfied, for them to have joy. And we find pleasure in bringing that about. When we serve our children, we do that out of love. Sometimes we get so caught up even in serving our children that we start to almost forget about ourselves and sometimes even almost forget about our marriage. And it is very important to keep that in perspective. But it is because there is just an overwhelming joy in serving those that we love. So when it comes to our spouse, when it comes to our children, even when it comes to our church, there are certain people that serve here and they have multiple jobs and we have to keep telling them listen you don't have to do everything let someone else do something Uh, not that we have so many people lining up to do things but we're getting there but there are certain people that just so love to serve that any way that they can plug in they do it that's not out of obligation That is because of love. And what this is speaking about here is us serving the Lord with gladness. Imagine that we would even be able to serve the king. Especially with where we've come from. Especially because of what we've done in our lives. And then he brings us to a place where he brings us in to his family and we are able to serve him. That is a beautiful thing. And then it says that we should acknowledge that the Lord is God. Knowing that the Lord is God. That has to do with an experience. Right, We know that God is God through experience, and we are supposed to openly confess that to others. We are to bear witness of God's glory. 
Because it says, he made us. That means much more than he created us. In this instance, that is speaking of a group of people that God has called to be a nation. We know that God has made the world and everything in it. But there are people that don't know the God. God. They don't acknowledge him as God. They have not had an experience with the living God. But his people, he has a nation within that. And that means we, who are his chosen people, there are benefits that go along with that. When we speak about having benefits that comes from knowing someone, right? When we know a person, it comes with benefits. The first benefit that it comes from knowing someone is access. That we are able to have access to that person. We are able to build a relationship. And that is so important. We also, when we have the benefit of relationship, we have access to information. And then we have access to resources. Right. So so we could say, uh, you know, someone needs something and we say, well, I, I know a guy. And that matters because what that means by knowing that person is that you have access to information from that person and resources from that person. So so I'll give you an illustration. We just came from vacation and we drove to South Carolina and I use the term we loosely. Uh, from South Carolina, and we had our family reunion, and then we drove to Florida, and, and then we drove back. We were all in the car together. And um, one of the things, if you've ever taken a long road trip, that you think about is the potential for your car to break down. That's one of the things that you think about. Because if your car breaks down on the side of the road and you're in the middle of, I don't know anyone here, now you got to bring that to a car mechanic. And the car mechanic is going to look at it and say, uh, well, what's wrong? Well, everything. <laughs> everything. You need a lot of parts. That's a problem. That's a problem because you don't have a relationship with that car mechanic. You can't fix your car yourself unless you're Floyd. And now you're stuck. So just just like think about that in the importance of having relationship. When I bring my car to the car mechanic here, I know him personally. We're buddies. I make sure we're buddies because I can't fix my own car, but it matters. So imagine when we're speaking about that, whatever relationship we're in, it matters. So imagine our relationship with God. 
Because not only does relationship matter, the depth of relationship matters. Right? I, I can know you and you could be my friend. That is not the same thing as if you're my daughter. She has access at a different level. She has relationship in a different way. She, she has things and benefits and information that you will never have because of who she is to me. So we, being children of God, a God who is not far off, he is your father. There are a lot of terms that we could have had about God, he could be Lord, he could be God, he could love you, but for him to be our father, that is a special thing. And you have to understand, throughout the Bible, it was not always that way. God was not called father. In the Old Testament, in some kind of ways where they describe God, they would describe him as mother and father, but that was done in like a poetic kind of way. It is Jesus who spoke about God as father over 150 times in the New Testament that changed that. And for the Jews of that day, him expressing that God was father and he was God's son, if you remember, that was a big part of the problem. So not only did Jesus call him father, and that was not a metaphor or poetic language, Jesus invites us to have relationship where we call God Father. He told us, God is your Father in heaven. And that is only available because of the work of Jesus Christ, that we would be able to call him Father. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 3, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven and in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless and love to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespass according to the riches of his grace. We were in violation. We had trespassed God. We were rebels. But because of the finished work of Jesus, now we can become 
sons and daughters and call him father. In Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 12, it says this, So then, brothers and sisters. So first off, we look totally different. We're from all different places. We are brothers and sisters. For one reason and one reason alone. Because we have the same father. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Thank you, Lord, because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery, to fall back into fear. Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children, and if children, also heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. We say that God is our father in a different way from our earthly father. If you lost your father, or if you grew up without a father, it says in the Psalms that God would be a father to the fatherless. And that's true. He provides protection. He blesses and sustains us. But it's not the same thing as a spiritual father. He's not coming into your backyard and tossing the football around with you. He's not there sitting at the table doing your math homework with you. He is not present in that kind of way, but he is your father. Even in those situations, you hear um, different things play out. You, you will hear someone that doesn't have a father, whether they lost their father or their father left, even if they're a kid, um, someone would say to them things like, you're the head of the household now. Like, what, what, does, what does that even mean? And do I even have the ability to do that? I remember um, saying to little Reggie when he was about five years old, I was going to work, and he's the oldest of our three children. And I said, um, Reg, I'll be home later. You're, you're the head of the house now while I'm gone. Well, he took that out of context. That's why we often speak about context. So later on that day, his mother said for him to do something. He didn't want to do it. She said, I'm going to give you a spanking. And he said, you can't hit me. <laughs> Only my father can hit me. 
what I'll say is, he, he, he found out different. So I certainly had to come home and correct what it meant for him to be the head of the household. And matter of fact, it was like, you know what, just scratch that. <laughs> but, but you hear those kinds of things. And sometimes, for some people, when they hear the term father, it could be triggering. Some people may have a difficult time relating to God as their father. We have an idea of what we believe fatherhood looks like. And we may project our expectations and our experiences on what a father should be or what has been done or what hasn't been done onto our heavenly father. Our father may have died when we were young or he may have left or he may have been abusive, he may have been distant or you might have had a really good father. But like us all, that's not without a person with strengths and weaknesses and pain and all kind of letdowns and situations far greater than me letting my son's balloon go. But at five, that was a big deal to him. So as those things uh, continue in our lives, it, it, it does something to us. But how tragic it is when such a beautiful facet of who God is in his character um, that we attach our disappointments or our thoughts of what a human father is or isn't and attach that to God. He, he's, not, he's not far off. He is, he is personal and he is perfect. And he is the perfect model of what a father is. And we often taint it with the weaknesses of our human father. The, the term father can not only be triggering, but sometimes that term could even bring about guilt, um, depending on the role we've played as fathers. Some of us and all of us at some degree making different mistakes and injuring our children, maybe not being present, having all kinds of situations. One of the things that would bother us is if the way we were and the way we went about fatherhood, if and somehow our child attached that to God. But even in that, all these years later, our kids being uh, two of them being grown, uh, we felt like we did a pretty good job, especially at the time. But as you get older and you look back, you say, mm, maybe this wasn't good. Or you grow and you mature in a certain way, like, mm, shouldn't have went about it that way. 
And the way I know that is because my daughter is 10 years their junior, we have like a totally different philosophy. But with our sons, when we were doing what we were doing, we felt that was the right thing to do. And certain things, when we look at them today, we say, could that be a result of? And it may be and it may not be. But what we know is that God has a grace and a mercy for that. Whatever we feel about how we've fathered or how we've been fathered, he can restore, he can redeem, he can use some of those things and all of those things, and he uses those things to make us look more like Christ. He repairs many things um, that we have done, and that is so good because God is not a human father. We need to know that God, as actual and literal fathers, earthly fathers have certain remote similarities to who God is as the father. But the essence, the model, the ideal of fatherhood is found in God and God alone. And not in human debts. So you don't look at your father and think that that's the way that God is. That that's not what we should do. He modeled to us all what we should be. And as we grow in the Lord and become more and more like Christ and are close to our heavenly father, we can display those things in our relationship as a father and even as a son or as a daughter and our father, no matter what way the relationship was before. Because that is what God does. It says here in verse 3, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. In the King James Version, it says, he made us and not we ourselves. We didn't make ourselves. And we are his. His people, the sheep of his pasture. He is creator and sustainer. He is protector and provider. He is our counselor and our guide. It says in Acts 17, starting at verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Hallelujah. Everything that God is and what he displays to us. Because we have the Holy Spirit, we look to emulate and model. It says in verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, giving thanks to him and bless his name. Imagine our father has gates has a court, 
has a throne. Our Father is King. Our Father is Lord of all. And we are to enter his presence with thanksgiving as his children. It says in Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 17, And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, back to us speaking about access, being able to have a relationship with our Father, and not just any relationship, but we are the children of the King. And our Father has cattle on a thousand hills. It says in James that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. One of the things that we struggle with as humans is continually being consistent. We always let people down. But God does not change. That is so beautiful. To know that because of who God is, as our Father, we have someone to emulate. We also have the ability to be repaired, to be made new, to be in the position to use the things in the past that may have injured us from our own fathers to extend grace and mercy. Sometimes God will use you to turn around and to go back. We think in order, like, no, dad is supposed to do this and I'm supposed to receive. Well, it comes a time when we can turn that around because we are God's people. And they could receive from us. They could see what it looks like to be a godly man or woman. They could see what forgiveness looks like. They can understand what forbearance is. They can understand how you can grow in any circumstance and how God can use all of these things to make us look more like Christ. So often we, we just view it like, no, this was his responsibility. Either he did it or he blew it, and that's it. And it's so much more than that. Worship team, you can come up. And this is the part that I like about this verse the most. It says in verse 5, For the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness throughout all generations. When we went on vacation, we went to our family reunion. And I have a very big family. My parents have eight children. I'm the oldest of eight. All of them are married. All of them have kids. So I have nieces and nephews and cousins and all of these people were there. And each person that was there I have a different relationship with. Some of them, we're very close. Some of them, we're very professional with each other. Some of them, I didn't know because some of my nieces and nephews, I don't see for chunks of years. 
So when I see them, they were like a kid and now they graduated college and are there with a boyfriend and things like that. And, and, and that's awesome. But I came back kind of tired because to navigate through all of those relationships, to keep the peace, to play your role, to know um, even with small offenses, hey, when's the next time I'm going to see you? I could let that go, right? But in, in your head, all of that takes work. But our relationship with God is different. God has no stepchildren. God has no grandchildren. God has no cousins, no nieces, no nephews. He only has sons and daughters. The relationship with a father, the father, the perfect father, with only sons and daughters. All that navigating that I have to do, no, 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 with God, it's you and him. You're, you're your father and you're his child. And the level of access, all of those people were blood relatives of mine. They don't have the same access that my daughter has, that my sons have. So be, to be able to say, God is my father. That makes all the difference in the world. But like I said earlier, the only way we can call God Father is because of the work of Jesus Christ. We were far off. We were enemies. He made a way to bring us close. But we have to accept that way because it is only through Jesus Christ. There is no other way to get to the Father. But because of what he did on the cross, he gave us access to become sons and daughters. Those that are redeemed by his blood and we are able to be called brothers and sisters. So if you don't know him, there's no other relationship you can have with him. He can't be a distant, far-off God. You can't treat him like a neighbor. He's not your buddy. He's not your cousin. He is either your father, but you don't know him. And because he's such a loving father, paid the ultimate price by sending his son to die on the cross and to shed his blood for things that we were guilty of. His son was perfect and came to die for you and me. Not even our earthly fathers may do that for us, but our heavenly father did. So if you don't know him, repent. If you don't know him, cry out to him this day. If that's you when you are in this place, I want to pray for you. If you are ready to repent 
to come into the family of God and be called his son, his daughter, and you have not done that yet, I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Is there anyone here? For those online, get on your knees. Ask for forgiveness for your sins. Recognize that that cross is there because you had no other way to get to God. But he loves you and he made a way that you would have access and relationship and would become an heir of the king. Would you do that this day? I want to pray for us. I want to pray for our relationships with our dads. Even things that we may be holding on to if our dads aren't here anymore and it was never resolved. I want to pray for strengthening for us that are dads in this place. Whether your kids are babies or grown. Whether you have a good relationship with them or it needs to be restored. I'd like you to stand. If you want, you can come to the altar. If not, you can just stand where you are. But we're going to pray. We're going to pray for restoration. We're going to thank God for being our father. We're going to pray even for forgiveness if we feel like we've blown it and acknowledge that God even has a grace for that. We want to pray for anything that is there that no longer can be repaired on this side of eternity face to face with the person, but God could still do a work in your heart. Father, we thank you. It just so freely comes out of my mouth calling you Father. Thank you that I can call you Father. Know that my name is written on the palm of your hand, that you know every hair on my head, you have the count. To know my thoughts before they even enter my mind because you know me so well. You know each and every one of your children that well. Thank you, Lord. We pray for relationships with dads. Those that have been strong and solid and are still that way and those that have been tattered and torn. Maybe something we did, maybe something they did, maybe things we couldn't let go of. We lay it before you, oh God. We want to pray for dads that are in this place. That you would deepen our relationship with you because that is the only way 
that will be able to extend that love, that consistency, that grace, that joy, the wisdom that you've placed in us. We would have a deep relationship with our children. We ask that you would help us to balance our days, that we would spend the proper time with our children, whether they're in our house or grown. We pray for restoration, Lord, for broken relationships. We pray for forgiveness from them, and we pray that you would help us forgive them if we're harboring something. We thank you who you are, Lord. We thank you for this time and all that our minds may be flooded with and all that is in our hearts. You know it. All we can ask for is help. We petition you for each person in this room. We're going to count it as done, Lord. We ask that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us strength to move forward, Lord, and things that we may not be able to speak to the person on this side, that you would do a work in us, Lord, so we could put whatever that's there to rest, that it would never hinder us moving forward the way we view you and that you would use it, Father, for our growth and development to look more like Christ. Lay it all at your feet. We thank you for this day and what you've done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Philippians 1.6 says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Please stop.